Staples Show post-game edition, and this is an even better one because it's a crossover episode. It's an Andy Staples Show power hour crossover. That's right. Nicole Auerbach joins me after a really amazing day of college football, even though uh, it didn't go so well for me, uh, but it went well for other people who aren't me and lots of fans of FCS schools it went well for and fans of Alabama, but then again... And always goes well for fans of Alabama, uh, but but fans of Georgia, it went well for, and fans of Maryland, and fans of Penn State, so Iowa, so lots of happy people, even if it's not me, and I, I'm okay with that. Nicole, I, I lost I lost a bet with our pal Ari Wasserman. So Andy, I wanted to start there as well, and and also mention that we are recording this um, during an actual prime Power Hour time frame because we were recording this after the games and people could be anywhere in the world doing actual power hours. Um, but Andy, I'm one of the happy people. I guess I was going to get to see somebody try to eat a banana with a peel either way, but I am yes. kind of happy that it's you. I feel like you will be You're more happier it's me? about it. Yeah. I feel like it's going <laughs> to bother you more, which is saying a lot considering how dramatic Ollie Wasserman can be. But I'm just saying, like, I feel I feel like one of the winners. I know there were a lot of people in your Twitter mentions. I've never seen more gifts of bananas. I didn't even know there were so many on the Internet. But I- I'm one of the happy people. I'm scared I'm going to become a meme. And a lot of people have done this, this banana eating because it's the Will Levis challenge. The, the quarterback at Kentucky, who had a great first game, by the way, had a fantastic first game on Saturday. And he... Ate a banana peel and all, and a lot of people copied it. Uh, our friend Alyssa Lang from the SEC Network was the sideline reporter for the Kentucky game today, and she did it on the sideline. She took a took a chunk out of the middle of the banana. Hers looked a little too little, not ripe enough. Okay, it was very so yellow. Like it needs to be spotty. I thought that the bite of the middle was a really smart move. I think that maybe you should go for that. Because then you don't have no, to well, eat uh, one of the weird ends. Alyssa, well, no, no, no. I have to eat the whole thing. That's you eat the, the whole banana? Yes, just like Will Levis did. So I have no options here. No, Alyssa did it. She told us. She she tweeted at Ari and I and said, you have to do go from the middle, otherwise you'll become a meme. So I, I that's that's why. But I can't. I still am going to have to eat the ends one way or the other. Now, Will Levis says it tastes like banana bread. So... I'm going to take him for his word. I've got some bananas in the bowl right now that, that have been ripening for the last few days. So you, kn- they you might knew be- you were going to lose. You knew. I, I was losing confidence by the day. The, the, as the line crept more toward Pickham, I realized this is not going to go well for me. And let's be honest, UCLA just thrashed LSU. I mean, LSU got dominated by UCLA, and I could not have been any more wrong. Like it, it, it would be hard to have been more wrong. The only way I could have been more wrong, I guess, is if UCLA had covered 15, because I gave Ari 15. So if, if UCLA had covered 15, I'm pretty sure I would have had to eat two bananas at that point. I would also like to say that the Mayo thing was also a year ahead of schedule. I mean, we just had a, Mayo, a major college football game sponsored by Mayo, and people ate Mayo in the stands. And, and somebody bathed in Mayo. At, and somebody uh, bathed in Mayo. 
So you were ahead of the curve on that front as well. I'm curious your, your take on Clemson, Georgia. Is it such an, such a, a piece of art defensively and just watching, like I was cringing every single time DJ Ungalele snapped the ball and then was just swallowed up. I mean, Georgia lived in the, I mean, it was just, it it was so, I felt for him. And I think you tweeted this, like what happens when it's someone who is not built like a defense end? Now I will say if it's Bryce Young in the SEC championship game, I'm confident Bryce Young can, can get a little air and, and maybe get a pass off or two, but you're right. When it's not a six, four, 250 pound dude, I don't know what you can do because you're going to have to have a really good offensive line to deal with those guys. And look, we knew that Clemson's offensive line was a potential weak point, and it it was. I mean, I, I was I was actually worried about their secondary too because the last time I saw them play, they played Ohio State and got shredded. So I, I'm a little less worried for Clemson because they're not going to see a defensive line like that again the rest of the season. So I think Clemson's good to go. Now George is in a great spot though, and you know who won more than Georgia did on Saturday night. The SEC. Because Georgia gets a mulligan, but the SEC now gets the, like the, the mega mulligan. Because if Georgia's one of the teams getting compared to Clemson, if Clem, let's say Clemson is sitting there at 12-1 and one as the ACC champ, and they're in the mix for the four spot, well, if Georgia's a one-loss team, they're going in over Clemson. Yes. We knew that the winner of Clemson, Georgia was basically going to have, like you said, a mulligan. I mean, they were going to have the inside path to the playoff, but especially if it was Georgia, just based on everything else that was going to come with that schedule. So absolutely, that is the case. I also think that there is, as we've seen in the playoff era, you've got former coaches on that committee. The eye test and what we think Mm -hmm. we see matters a lot oh, and, and, and the, for, will, the former coaches are going to love the defense love so the much team. yeah they're going to yeah. love this team especially in this era of of college football i mean it, it's it's going to stand out this is seared in everyone's memory we've spent months waiting for this game um they're going to get all the benefit of the doubts and and they should but we do need to see them actually be in a game where their offense is going to need to do something Still, I mean, there's tons to be excited about. This is an elite defense, and and the defensive front is terrifying and yeah, fearsome. And I, I mean, it's just it was an incredible performance. However, um, you know, I mean, you, you eventually like JT Daniels will have to throw a touchdown yeah. at some point. To win I, the game. I think they're they're going to have to generate points to beat Florida. The, based on what we saw today, and I realize it was it was not the best competition, but they're probably going to have to generate points to beat Kentucky. Now, are they going to have to generate points to beat Texas A&M or LSU? No, because they don't play them. Are they going to have to generate points to beat Alabama? Maybe, because Alabama looked awesome again. And scary awesome, because at, at first, just for that first quarter, I was trying to figure out, okay, is Bryce Young really, really good, or is he just moving around to uh, enough to, to get away from these Miami guys. And and maybe he can't get away if it's a more athletic defense. But the fact of the matter is you, you watch him. He knew where he was in relation to the line of scrimmage every single time. And he was just setting up a throw every single time. And it was, they are terrified. Like Georgia's defense and Alabama's offense are probably the two most terrifying things to watch right now. 
And those are two of the only things I feel very certain about. I think that there were a lot of performances that were uneven and there were a lot of underwhelming mm-hmm. performances from teams that we thought were playoff contenders. So those were two very sure things that I feel confident in. And, you know, it helps about the the quality of the opponent. Again, even if, you know, Miami isn't in the, the Clemson stratosphere, it still helps when you're, you're trying to gauge what these teams are. I mean, this is still an Alabama offense that lost three of the top five Heisman trophy vote getters and just torched Miami from the first snap of the game. Like it was not even close. And, and and you're in this world where you're like, why do people schedule Alabama as the opener? I mean, that, and they lost so much from that record setting offense. And so it's just not fair. It's not fair to reload the way that they do and not have dips, not have those obvious weaknesses. So yeah, I mean, it was terrifying. It was terrifying, but also I feel really, really solid in it. And I think we, we kind of knew yeah. that you were going to in, in Bryce Young, but until you see it, you don't know for sure. So it, that was one of the. Fun. It's kind of fun to watch that competence in action. Like, because it's a different kind. It, it looked because it looks different than it looked with Mac Jones and it looks different than than it looked with Tua. It's its its own version of it, but they're still just as good at it. I know. And because of the staff turnover, turnover they've had, you've also had different wrinkles of different actual offensive coordinators. So this is Bill O'Brien's yeah. version of this with Bryce Young. So I agree with you. I think it's, it's almost like piecing together a puzzle and it's super interesting. But the, again, like I, I think that type of performance stood out because – you know, Oklahoma was shaky because Iowa yeah. State was shaky because these other te- Ohio State was shaky. Like other teams were in so many games that were uncomfortable for so much longer than we expected mm-hmm. them to be that seeing Alabama being as certain as they ever are was 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 reassuring. <laughs> yeah, you feel like the, the world is is as it should be. But yes, the watching Oklahoma have to fight off Tulane. Tulane have a shot to win the game at, or to at least tie the game at the end. Well, no, it's to win it because they were down five. So it, that was that was shocking to me. And and there were a lot of shocking results. It, it, Montana beating Washington, Northern Illinois beating beating Georgia Tech in the last second, East Tennessee State crushing Vanderbilt. Like I don't know how that even happens. Like how do you lose by twenty to East Tennessee State? I have been uh, informed from our editor and Vanderbilt grad, Eric Single, that it oh, actually boy. probably should have been worse, but they got a 99-yard pick six taken away for 20 yards of taunting on the way to the end zone. Which 20 sounds, yards of taunting! <laughs> which it sounds like they earned. My if Lord. you did that, I think you're allowed to taunt teams. However... There were six FCS over FBS upsets. It was pretty wild. Like it was such a strange but fun Saturday to get mm-hmm. this thing going. Like it was awesome to see crowds again and to get Anner Sandman on Friday and to get the jump around at Wisconsin on Saturday and all these things. And then you throw in these FCS over FBS upsets. Um, you know, again, like who saw Montana over Washington coming? I mean, it was just, it was such a, a just reinvigorating day of college football. It was, and, and it felt great. And I mean, I, I'm just losing my mind watching the end of, of Iowa State, Northern Iowa. Texas State had had the ball with a chance to 
to try to get in back, get back in the game with Baylor. I mean, it, it was one of those after the other for an entire day. And, and you had the bookends of these two defensive battles that were between brand name programs because it's the remember the day started with Wisconsin and Penn state, a game that went to halftime zero zero. And I didn't feel the least bit unsatisfied when that game was over. I felt like I got everything I wanted out of that game, despite it not having a ton of scoring Georgia Clemson. I would have liked a little more scoring probably, yes. but, but, but Penn state, Wisconsin, I feel like I got what I wanted. And then Maryland, West Virginia was tons of fun. For the people, I know the people who watch that game, uh, Mississippi State coming back from 20 down in the fourth quarter to beat Louisiana Tech, which missed a kick at the very end of the game. There was a lot going on. I am with you totally on, on Maryland, West Virginia. And I also love that those teams play and they should play a lot more. Like that's just, it makes a lot of sense regionally. They should that form was, an alliance, but they can't because the Big 12 is not invited. And you already, you know, the, the alliance is already claimed, so you can't even, you know, name it that. But I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, this West Virginia try to get in the ACC, then you get in the alliance, and you can schedule that game. There we go, boom, solved it. Um, I, I thought it was just, it was, it was, it was a really interesting day, and there were also results that I guess wouldn't qualify as upsets or wouldn't qualify as major upsets. But what Iowa did to Indiana, super oh, yeah. interesting. Super interesting. So I just feel like we learned a lot. UTSA over Illinois. I mean, there was a lot of yep. the Big Ten West is in a very different place than it was like 24 hours ago. Iowa, you know, has won a big conference game now, goes out of the conference next week. I don't have a lot of confidence in in Iowa State to be able to beat Iowa. I I told Ari on on Friday's show that I thought Iowa was going to crush some dreams here in the first two weeks, but I was I, I felt a little more sure about Indiana than I did about Iowa State. But now I feel the same way about the the Cyhawk game as I felt about Iowa Indiana. Well, Iowa clearly is is exactly where they were at the end of last season when they won six games to close out the mm-hmm. year and were beating everyone badly. Like they're clearly just picking up where they left off. Um, and, and it's pretty terrifying again for the West. Cause I think Wisconsin was disappointing. Graham Mertz was disappointing. That was as much as it was a great win for Penn state to win that game on the road, the way that they did it. Like you said, the second half was, was highly entertaining. It was really fun. Wisconsin had so many mistakes in the red zone and Graham Mertz made so many mistakes that it was just incredibly disappointing. So that's where I think like the, the big 10 West race changes that kind of the national picture and who we think can actually challenge Ohio state in the big 10 or the big 10 title game. Like all of that stuff has shifted a bit. I think, you know, there was a lot of optimism to take away, you know, from, for Penn state fans, Michigan fans, like there was a lot of interesting results, but Wisconsin was incredibly disappointing. So now I'm all in on Iowa. That's just, that's how it works. You yeah. gotta, you gotta have somebody. And I feel very good about Minnesota. So I told Ari this after the, after the Ohio state, Minnesota game, I feel like they're built very well to play against the teams they have to play against in the West, that they have a very good offensive line that they can run the ball. Uh, Tanner Morgan's uh, I, I, I was very pleasantly surprised with some quarterbacks in the big 10 with I, I loved C.J. Stroud. I, I mean, obviously we expected him to be good, but I thought he was he was really good in, for, in that first game for his first start. Um, Tanner Morgan looked good. Peyton Thorne for Michigan State was awesome, and I don't know if Michigan State, if Mel Tucker's just really good at beating Northwestern, or 
perhaps they have something going on. And I, I, I kind of I think they do. Uh, you know, Colton Pouncey, our, our beat writer, wrote a great story about what they've been doing and how, how they are different from last year. And obviously, we need to see it because remember this time. Like, remember the Big Ten came back last year and we were like, Joe Milton's going to be awesome. And Graham Mertz is going to tear up the league. And none of that happened. Yes. So I'm with you. I also was pretty impressed by, by Michigan State. Um, and I think that, that one, one of the things that was so surprising was not just Peyton Thorne, but like obviously with so many transfers, I remember Pat Fitzgerald saying this last week that they it like took their GAs a ton of time to track down all the film because everyone's playing from so many different places and it was hard to figure out like where Michigan State was going to use them. But like we had the same questions. We didn't know what any of that was going to look like. So that was pretty encouraging. Also, just Mel Tucker, the culture, all of those buzzwords, all those things that coaches implement to actually have a real offseason to do that. I mean, you definitely saw that. And then that's why I think, you know, again, I would, I would encourage people to read Colton's story because it's about like the fingerprints, Mel Tucker's fingerprints yeah. on this particular team that weren't necessarily there last year because of, you know, such a unique circumstance. Well, and the, the circumstances of his hiring too, because it was so oh, late so compared late, to everybody so else's. Late. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, but that, I think the Big Ten is going to be interesting. Like Penn State winning that game today was so huge because think about, Think about Penn State's season last year. You're going into that first game with Indiana. You find out Journey Brown has to retire medically. You lose Noah Kane in the first series. Uh, Michael Parsons, your best player, has already opted out for the whole season. You lose in just gut-wrenching fashion to Indiana. And then you had all these other issues where uh, they had a particularly weird situation where Franklin had let everybody go home right when the Big Ten decided, okay, now you can play. And so they, they, it took them a little while to get going again. And so all of that sort of snowballed on them. Well, this may snowball in, in another way, in a, in a better way. Now, they've got Auburn in two weeks. We'll, we'll, we'll know more. But it feels like if you could go to Camp Randall, win that game, that that is the absolute best way. Because if you lose, if you lose by, by three or by five at Camp Randall, there's no shame in that. But the momentum you take from that win is just incredible. And, and think about like where we've seen Penn State come up short in the Franklin era. It's games like that. It's, it's yeah. games that come down to, you know, a couple possessions, a couple play calls on the road, ranked teams. It's, it's stuff like that. So I think that was what's, what's really encouraging about that. And, you know, I mean, I, I agree with you. Like you've got, um, you've got a lot of interesting quarterbacks, the Big Ten, is there's more wrinkles and more places. Rutgers, massive win over Temple, super mm-hmm. lopsided. Like there's a lot of, you know, they've got playmakers now. There, there's so many of those things where I, I want to flip this and stay in the alliance um, because we're okay. going to continue to call it that. Oh, I, know, um, I know where we're going with this. <laughs> well, actually, we could go in either direction, but let's go to the ACC because I don't think the quarterbacks looked great in this league. And no. overall, this league has way more questions and way more issues than I think we thought it was going to a week ago. Yeah. Now, the, the best quarterback we, performance I think we saw was Devin Leary. And, well, Braxton Burmeister was pretty oh, good. Oh, yeah. He was, so, he was great. He was very so, good. So, and, and that's the one. So, Virginia Tech gets a pass because 
you know, we can talk about, oh, North Carolina losing right out of the gate is a really bad thing for the league. And it, it, Sam Howell's Heisman candidacy or, or trying to be the first quarterback off the board in the draft, all that stuff. But the fact of the matter is Virginia Tech's also a team in the ACC Coastal, and they won. And now they're in the driver's seat in their division. So they get the benefit of that. But, but the way Clemson lost and the way Miami lost was just a, a, a pretty tough pill to swallow for the ACC, especially the way Miami lost. Because yes. that's a team, they're not supposed to beat Alabama, but they're supposed to be one of your better teams. They're supposed to be competitive. They're supposed to look like they belong on the field. And I think that that's the the problem. When, when you get to the point in the game and it's like the first quarter and people are saying, you should probably keep Derek King out of the game. Like just, you know, he's coming back from an injury. You've got no chance anyway. Like that that's not how those games are supposed to go. There's, there's a lot of teams in the ACC that are trying to close the gap with Clemson, North Carolina, Miami, Florida State's eventually going to try to get there, right? Like there's, there's a bunch of teams that are trying to do that that tier isn't supposed to not look like they belong on the field against anyone, even in that, you know, upper echelon. So that was a problem. I think we love Will Healy. Um, you know, Will's basically a athletic staff writer. Like he knows like our entire <laughs> staff very well. I've embedded with that program for a week before when they were playing Clemson a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, I, I met him you know, when I think we were all Austin P. Yeah. Yeah. And they and they snap that um, that that streak losing there streak. and the losing streak there. I think we were all, you know, feeling great for, for Charlotte to get their first ever win over a power five team. Not great look for Duke and especially the way that that no. went down. I mean, there's just there. It was not it was a no good, very bad weekend for the ACC. Yeah, because the, the Duke should have won that game. Georgia Tech absolutely should have beaten, beaten Northern Illinois. And and I I thought that the rebuild at, it's well it's not even the rebuild it's the, the just the kind of restructuring of Georgia Tech would have taken a little less time cuz I've seen Jeff Collins operate before and he's he's a very good recruiter and a very bright defensive mind and they just they don't they have not put it all together and I I thought Jeff Sims would being in his second year as a starting quarterback they would just be in in not in contention in the coastal, but they would be one of those teams that could beat somebody they're not supposed to. And so this is that was a little bit discouraging to see that. And then the Duke thing, I, you know, it may have run its course with David Cutcliffe. And I, I won't say you can't say a bad word about David Cutcliffe. He's one of the the best people in the sport. He took Duke to the ACC championship game. You get a lifetime hall pass if you do that. Steve Spurrier won an ACC title at Duke. David Cutcliffe took Duke to the ACC championship game. If they'd done nothing else in their careers, and they both did a lot more in their careers, that would have been enough. Yeah, and, and that's why, you know, he'll have a say in whenever it's run its course. He'll, he'll decide he's ready to retire, right? Like, that. that's, that's going to be the eventual step. Um, we've known that Duke was going to transition from Coach K and transition from Cut at some point here. This is something that was going to happen. But yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating. And obviously, you know, he would want the program to be in a better place. He wants Duke to be a perennial bowl team. Um, but things have just been really dire in the last few years. And they've really struggled at the quarterback position. That's a position that's near and dear to his heart. Um, and, and he has been directly involved in. Like, it's just, it, they're in a tough place right now. And I, I just think when you have a weekend like this, and we've seen this, and we've been part of the groups of people that write off an entire conference, after one week of September, but 
It yep. becomes really hard for Clemson now to get yes. the benefit of the doubt if they are a one-loss ACC champion, considering everything that we're talking about. Well, they're kind of in the position that the Pac-12 champ has been the last couple of years, right? Where when Washington went and lost to Auburn, and then when when Oregon went and lost to Auburn, you you can't do that. And and right. we don't know where Georgia's going to wind up in the SEC. I, I think this the supposition is that they're going to win the East and and either win the championship or lose it, and so they'll be one or two. And then if they are one or two, you're you're blocked. You're you're completely yeah. blocked if you're Clemson, and that's that's a hard place to be. And you're right. And and so the the other thing is everybody forgets. Yes, the SEC has made the playoff every year since the playoff started. The only other league that has is the ACC. And in fact, they've had they had two teams in it last year. So this is a league that has been the playoff has been very good to the ACC, but if they wind up getting shut out, does that change how they feel about what happens next with the playoff? And and probably not going to see any any real progress during this football season. That that probably all happens next year. But does it change how Jim Phillips feels when he goes in to talk to those folks? Right. I think that's a really good question because he has said all the right things. And so did John Swafford about all of this, where he said, we know we're coming from a privileged position where we've made this every year. And we understand that not making the playoff has been much more massive. And the impact of that has been much more massive than everyone expected back in 2012. So I think that's a really interesting point. I also think that this year is going to potentially have a really interesting situation. Again, like we, it's just week one. Everyone's getting the rust off. But, you know, Oklahoma and Iowa State clearly had some, you know, have some weaknesses. Oregon barely ekes by Fresno State. Um, and, and even worse, Kayvon Thibodeau leaves in now, a boot. Yeah, and, and is TBD. They've got the big game against Ohio State next week. We're all in on UCLA. Maybe they win the Pac-12. Something, maybe something crazy happens. But you know, you're you're looking at some potentially, if not flawed, but but teams that have issues they got to work through and get better on. So, what does that mean for the playoff field? Is that does that make it more interesting this year because maybe it keeps more people involved? If we're not talking about undefeated teams, oh, you, that well, stuff you, is, you know, you know who's who's tinting his fingers right now and just thinking one Mr. Luke Fickle. Well, you know what? You know who looked good and no one talked about because they just did what they were supposed to? One of the few teams that did that? Cincinnati. That's exactly right. I, will, I do want to take this, this opportunity because I, I don't want to pass this because we, we do pile on this league so much, and I am mad because I lost the bet. But UCLA beating LSU was fantastic for the Pac-12. It is exactly what the Pac-12 needed. And the way UCLA beat LSU was even better for the Pac-12. So I, I do think, you know, we, we really have piled on them over the years for losses in games like this. I think it's, we, we should give them equal praise for wins in games like this because that was, a, that was a dominant win. And, you know, good for Chip Kelly, good for UCLA. That program needed that but even better probably for the Pac-12 because the league needed a win like that. Yes, and, and to your point about how they did it, I mean, think about where we have dwelled in this league, the, that they get pushed around you know, on the line of scrimmage both ways, right? Like that, that's where they impose their will 
on on LSU. Also, you can hear the squeaking. Red is also very excited. About oh, I, I knew Red. I knew Red Auerbach was uh was around. Cookie Staples is uh is in bed. She's asleep. So unless. Well, Red slept all day through all of the big games and then decided for the podcasting experience that he needed to wake up. Um, but no, it, it is the way that they, the way that they did it. I mean, they, they were, they were running the ball at will. They were finding guys in space in the passing game. DTR did it himself at the very end. I mean, it was, it, it was control. They just controlled the game yeah. and they imposed their will and Wait, they were controlling. Game control. Game control. Game control. Game oh, control. Boy. Uh, the body clocks our, on the on the West Coast, but, <laughs> our, but no, our, I mean our I think our favorite CFP stat. <laughs> I think that that's but that that is what's interesting because if you think about the way that Pac-12 like style of play has been mocked and different things, like they beat LSU at the line of scrimmage. They did, and 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 beat them not just that they beat them in a lot of different ways, and I think I think that is something the league needed badly. And who knows? Maybe there's more wins like that in the. Because here's the thing: we're talking about these results like they are how teams are going to play all 13 weeks of the season. And a lot of teams that played great this weekend are going to look terrible next weekend. And a lot of teams that were awful this weekend are going to be great. Like, what if Washington goes to Ann Arbor and beats Michigan? Or what? What if Oregon goes to to Columbus and beats Ohio State? Like. Just because they had bad games tonight doesn't mean they might not do something good later. Andy, are you telling us that last year we may have overreacted to Mike Leach and Mississippi State in week one? Yeah, we may have. And I was I was fully prepared <laughs> to overreact the other way when I looked up and it was 34 to 14 Louisiana Tech in the fourth quarter. But Will Rogers, who, who never met a throw he didn't like, was just awesome in the fourth quarter. He three beautiful drives where he looked very in command of that offense. And obviously he wasn't in command of the offense the entire game because they wouldn't have gotten down 20 had, had he been, but that gives me confidence because Louisiana tech was not doing what LSU was last year. Louisiana tech was actually defending them the way you would want to defend them. They just couldn't at the end. And I think that's, that's definitely a sign of progress for Mississippi state. But yeah, I I'm excited to see how these teams change and grow over these next few weeks, because this is this was a lot of weird results. I think you're exactly right. We don't know much about anybody right now. If you had to guess right now, as we're you know still processing these results, which is the one that we think we're gonna look back on and think is weird? I don't. I don't think it's gonna be Clemson, Georgia, because I think we saw that Georgia's defense is amazing. Their offense. I'm willing to give a little bit of a pass to because so many dynamic people were out. Like Darnell Washington, you saw how much they were using that freshman tight end. Imagine if it was Darnell Washington. He breaks a few more tackles. Maybe they get closer to the red zone. They have a few more field goals, or maybe they get in the end zone. Uh, Kyrus Jackson only returned kicks. He didn't play any snaps on offense. So they were pretty depleted offensively playing against a pretty good team. So we may see more than that, more of that trying to think what what the one that will just what the hell happened there could it be penn state wisconsin that's what i'm that's what i'm looking at where i think wisconsin will write the ship and we'll look back on that i also think that 
like, I think Tulane's going to have a really good season. I think that's actually just a good football team. Um, yeah, they and, looked, and- they, they looked very solid playing Oklahoma. I, 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 as I watched that game, I was like, I don't know how much I'm going to kill Oklahoma for this. Is it possible Fresno state? Like we look back and we're like, how did Fresno Absolutely. state lose, lose that game? Uh, maybe not had they lose the game, but we're going to look back and say, okay, we understand why Oregon struggled with them. Yeah. Um, I think, one I, think I don't right think, one I think is going to age well is going to be UConn losing to Holy Cross. Oh, good Lord. That one will age well. UConn, I, UConn was in a BCS Bowl 11 years ago, Nicole. I, I, I By the way, we, we did a video at SI where when we uh, we were holding a funeral for the BCS uh, in the last year of the BCS. And at the end, I, I played the devil and I welcomed the BCS to hell. And the UConn-Oklahoma game, the UConn-Oklahoma Festival was playing on loop in hell. Well, I, I think maybe Holy Cross-UConn is uh, the replacement <laughs> from this era. But I, I, I think this is – I'm looking at all these scores again, and I just love – doing this because you don't know which are going to be the ones that we wildly overreacted to. If LFCU is just not good, are we going to say that about UCLA that we didn't learn as much as we thought we did? I, yeah, I think we'll say that. And, and I think it's possible LSU is not good. I, I bet LSU gets better though, as the season gets on, goes on. Cause here's, here's what was going on with LSU that I think can be fixed as the season goes on. Lots of pre-snap, I'm not entirely sure what's going on here from the offense with the you know first time coordinator, first game, all that stuff. That may get solved in a couple of weeks. And suddenly the offense is running more smoothly and they're scoring points and they're they're you know basically an effective SEC team. Or they or not, or they have a terrible season and we are Gene Chizicking at Orgeron by the end of the season. Yeah, I think I think people are already starting to raise that possibility last season. And so if that continues, I mean, it's that that seat's warm and, you know, we got to see some growth. I also have never seen a quarterback throw the ball like we saw. <laughs> it was the most athletic, the dumb throwaway I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> And, and our colleague Max Olson made the great point that Patrick Mahomes is going to do this in a way that works at some point, and <laughs> we will all be amazed by it. But that did I, not I work. Was stunned. I was stunned when it happened because it wasn't grounding because there was somebody near there. Imagine throwing the ball backwards without seeing in any meaningful moment of any college football game, and then to do it in the Rose Bowl in a game where you're losing. Just incredible. Incredible. It, it, it was... Shocking in many, 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 many ways. And probably there, there will be some hard questions asked in Baton Rouge th- this next week. But yeah, that, that one, we could say, well, if, if LSU is just bad, maybe it didn't mean anything about UCLA. But I, I think with UCLA, they look so competent at the line of scrimmage that that looks like a team that can compete with Arizona State, with USC, with, with Utah. So I, I would think that they will contend in the Pac-12 South. They just look built for it. Yeah, and the, and the South looks stronger than the North. Again, one week in, who knows? But yeah. I, I think you know maybe there's a balance of power shifting in that conference. There, there's a lot of there, there's a lot of ways this can go, and 
I'm I'm cu- I'm curious for it. I think it's I think it's good for you know the league. It's good for college football. F- college football is more interesting when Chip Kelly is a relevant uh, figure. Mm-hmm. And yep, I saw this stat, Andy, but I don't know if you realize this that he wasn't wearing the visor these last few years, and now he is two and zero since he brought the visor back. Like what what were we, we doing, dis- Chip? We discussed that on the show on Thursday. Yes, it was uh, it's 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 big, and and now. The question is, did he know that they weren't worthy of the visor and that's why he didn't wear it? Or did he not realize that it is the thing that gives him his power until well, and now? And what, what shifted prior to the Hawaii game? How did, did, how did he decide to go back to it? You know, like I just, I have so many questions about this. Was he afraid the sun would be in his eyes and there just hasn't been a game where he was worried about the sun being in his eyes? Yeah, maybe it was, you know, just... Football is always notoriously indoors in, um, you know, or, or cloudy weather. So that, that was probably it. I mean, I, I think, you know, miscalculation to, to not bring back the visor sooner. But, you know, again, we'll, we'll see. Maybe now, maybe that was all that was missing. That, it, sometimes the answer is just as simple as that. I hate to say it, but, but sometimes it is. So I, I can't wait for, for this next week, and, and it's going to go quick because we've got a game Sunday night. We've got a game Monday night. Uh, let, me, let me get a quick thought from you on, on Notre Dame-Florida State because I'm, I'm interested in this game just because we want to see where Notre Dame is. But we also, with Florida State, I feel like Florida State, Michigan State, teams like that are great tests of how quickly can you – reconstruct a team using the transfer portal how quickly can you flip a team's fortunes using the transfer portal and so we got an interesting piece of data from michigan state against northwestern now we'll see with florida state against a a team that should beat florida state yeah and i think i think too also about hitting on quarterbacks and sort of what you know when you when you do a new staff then they are trying to take that that step from year one to year two like how you pick that and and how you commit to the quarterback position, I think is really interesting. I, I think too, just Notre Dame coming out of the Ian book era is, is pretty fascinating. Obviously they, they've got a lot of talent and they're going to be fine, but for as maligned as Ian book was, I mean, he was still, you know, all over the record books and, and such a yeah. mainstay for them. So I, I'm curious about that game in general. And I think too, you know, I'm, I already miss, you know, getting to call Notre Dame an ACC member. So I will uh, just have to refer to this game as an alliance game. Yeah, their streak of ACC championship appearances is going to sadly end this year, and you know we're we're, we're all going to be sadder for it. But that's okay. hundred percent of the time they make the ACC championship game. What do you think Lane Kiffin's going to be doing Monday night? Um, this is a good question because I feel like we theorized this so much with Nick Saban when he missed the game we were like, is he going to be yelling at his TV? Like, how is he going to handle this? I feel like Lane Kiffin will not be on his phone, not be on his computer and genuinely be watching the game. You think he's just like chilling at the pool with the game on the TV at the pool? Yes. I want that to happen so badly. I realistically, he's probably going to be in his office at home on zoom. Now you can't, I know, but I want, but I want to, but I want to picture, I want to picture it. Oh, that he's floating in a pool, watching TV, yes. watching a TV that's mounted on the side of a house. Yes, with 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 a drink in the in the cup holder of the float. I think that would be the, that would be Ole Miss social media. You're really good at this stuff. 
even if it's not true, even if you stage it on Sunday and send it out like it's actually happening on Monday night, do it. Because we will believe it. I promise we'll believe it. It needs to happen. Absolutely needs to happen. Nicole, wonderful first Saturday. I'm so excited. I cannot wait to hear you and Michael Felder break it down on Tuesday on Power Hour. We'll be talking about it all week. I'll be with David Ubbin on Football and Grits talking SEC on Monday. Uh, 50% off The Athletic if you go to theathletic.com slash Andy Staples right now. So if, you, if you're not subscribed to The Athletic, what are you waiting for? We're the ones telling you what's going to happen in realignment. And oh, by the way, going to be a big week in realignment. So it's, it's, it's all happening right now. Nicole, thank you so much. Thank you. And um, I will be anxiously awaiting the banana video. Yeah. Thank, thanks for bringing that up. Time to practice. Thank you.